From the digital team at savannahnow.com, this is Difference Makers, a podcast featuring interviews with Savannah's community leaders about what they do, how they do it, and why. I'm Adam Van Bremer, and joining me on this Difference Makers episode is Bernadette Ball Oliver, Executive Director of High Schools for the Savannah Chatham County Public Schools, and the school leader charged with coordinating the celebration of a graduating class, the class of 2020, at a unique time in recent history. Difference Makers is presented by the Savannah Economic Development Authority. reads mid-May, and every year, this is a time to celebrate the accomplishments of high school seniors everywhere. High schools end as a milestone and is marked by prom, senior week activities, and graduation. The coronavirus has disrupted these rites of passage just as it has so many other things in our society. Schoolwork is being completed remotely, and distancing guidelines mean no sweetheart dancing, no pep rallies, and no proud walks across the stage to get a diploma, at least not in the traditional way. But these young men and women still deserve celebrating, and school officials across the country are finding innovative ways to do just that. Here in Savannah, Bernadette Ball Oliver was tapped to coordinate those efforts, and she shares insights on that experience and more as our latest Difference Maker. But first, a little background on this podcast series. Difference Makers launched in 2018 and feature the men and women who are making a difference in the Savannah community. They hail from several sectors, including commerce, government, education, arts and culture, and philanthropy. You probably recognize the names or at least the organizations these Difference Makers represent. This podcast is a chance to learn what makes them successful. Thank you for listening and enjoy this interview with Bernadette Ball Oliver, Executive Director of High Schools for the Savannah Chatham County Public School District. Joined on Difference Makers today by Bernadette Ball Oliver, who is the Executive Director of High Schools in the Savannah Chatham County Public Schools. Of course, she has been very, very busy in terms of dealing with the distance learning that we've had to go through during the coronavirus. And more to the point, especially today, which the day that this podcast posts is the official last day of school for the public schools, is she has been kind of the, leading the efforts to figure out the best way to honor and salute the class of 2020, who obviously are not getting the usual uh, end of senior year, end of high school experience. And Bernadette, we're going to discuss all of that, but we usually start on Difference Makers by learning a little bit more about our Difference Maker. And so I wanted to, to start there with you. And I know that you were in a senior class at a local public high school. Can you, can you kind of share with us? Let's start there. What was your graduation experience like back in the day from, I guess it was Beach High School, right? Right. It was Beach High School and it was 1984. Um, I am a proud graduate of Beach High School, a, a bulldog. Um, you know, like they say, they have a saying in Savannah, when you're a bulldog, you bleed blue, blue and gold. And so it was very different. We, we experienced senior week, senior practices, class night, senior trip. It's very different from what the class of 2020 is experiencing. You know, I had those opportunities to march in final parades uh, as part of the uh, Beach High School drill team and part of that marching band, opportunities to do those final banquets, the prom. So it's very different from what our class of 2020 is experiencing. While it may have been more traditional and in line with previous classes, very different from this class. Right, right. And that's a good tease for later in the podcast to talk a little bit about how the class of 20 is, class of 2020 is dealing with it. But before we get there, let's 
let's talk a little bit more about about your background. Obviously, you're a beach graduate. You were born and raised here. Uh, if you went to beach, you, you no doubt grew up on the west side of Savannah. Can you kind of talk about what it was like growing up here during the, the 70s and the 80s? Um, well, actually, and, and I spent some years living um, with my grandmother um, in Dodge County, which is a very small town, um, but definitely came back to Savannah um, and grew up on the west side of town, as you said. Um, very close-knit community, uh, very family-oriented. I grew up in the days where, you know, if you did anything wrong, the next-door neighbor handled you just like your parent did. Right. So it, it really was that concept of it takes a village to raise a child absolutely had a phenomenal experience as a high school student at Beach High School. Uh, those teachers really shaped and molded a lot of who I am today. They, they played a large factor in that, as well as my family. Um, we have a history of Beach High School. So I went to Beach High School as it was an expectation. My mom, her sisters, her brother, they all graduated from Beach. So all of my life, I looked forward to one day I'll get to be a Beach High School Bulldog. So there, there was truly that sense of wanting to belong. And I think it was like that for the majority of my classmates who we still communicate, we still get together. Uh, they come to town, we still celebrate, you know, just that whole experience we had together those four years. So that that's kind of what it was like. It was like that whole real village concept. Um, one great fact is as I was ending or, or, or immersing myself in my high school career, so to speak, uh, Dr. Levette was actually beginning her career and she was at Beach Teaching. Okay. Um, so I had a lot of great people to influence me. She was there. Um, previous principal, Ola Lewis, was there. Essie Johnson. Uh, just a lot of different experiences over the years. Um, a lot of people in education that really, wow, one day when I grow up, I want to be like them. I want to do what they do for kids. So that's kind of how I ended up here. I had a grandmother who was an educator. So I kind of ended up here okay. by virtue of watching what they did. Yeah, so so your grandmother was was a big influence in terms of steering you toward education, and your and your teachers. Um, did you you said you knew pretty much early on that that's what you wanted to do? Was there was there any one thing or 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 maybe a series of things that that convinced you that that was the path you wanted to go down? I think um, just watching how they interacted with students and they made a difference. They they actually had such positive impacts and and so I wanted to be someone who could do something that would have a positive impact on my community um, not just maybe my local community but but from a national you know level a global level and I, and I think the best way to do that is to actually be a positive impact on our students on 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 children on their minds so yeah my dad wasn't actually thrilled to learn that I wanted to be an English teacher <laughs> um, because back then, you know, teachers were considered not making a lot of money. And his worry was, you need to make enough money so that I don't have to support you. <laughs> so, yeah, so so, other than my dad, so I think all of them played a part in that my stepmother was an English teacher. I actually became an English teacher. And uh, she was also a principal and administrator right here in Chatham County. And so I think all of that had an influence on me. I would say it was pretty much destined for you, given all of those 
and I you loved know. every. I would not trade it. I've loved every minute. <laughs> you mentioned drill team. Um, being a kid away from school, or at least away from the academic side, you, you did drill team. You did you do athletics? Did were you artistic? Were you everything? Well, I definitely wasn't artistic in the sense of being able to draw or sing. Let me clarify that now. <laughs> but I did march with that Mighty Bulldog Band. I was actually on the drill team, um, played a little tennis um, under Coach Booker. Okay. Who was an icon at Beach. Yes, did that. Um, was involved in yearbook, French club. So just um, honor society, beta club, doing all of those things, just making sure I took advantage of all those opportunities uh, to really uh, broaden my horizons in high school. And it was our way of, you know, back then technology was not what it is today. So it was our way of connecting and socializing. That was our our. our social internet, so to speak. Right. It certainly sounds like it, it kept you busy. So when you got done with, with high school and you said, I'm going to be an educator, now I've got to get educated so I can do it. Where did you go from, from Beach? Well, I left Beach and went to Spelman College for two years um, and then transferred back, finished at Savannah State and then moved on to Georgia Southern. So you hit all the local. If you could have got Armstrong in there, you would have been, you had the trifecta. Huh? <laughs> yes, sir. And now I guess Armstrong is Georgia Southern, so you can probably claim that one too. So I, I think I could claim it safely. <laughs> and did take a few classes there. So starting your career, I mean, I assume you started on the teaching side. How, what was, what was the rise? Well, I started fresh out of college which is with an English degree, and I started at Tompkins Middle School, actually, under Beverly Oliver. She was the principal at the time. Uh, actually, it, it, it's interesting because I applied for a job at Beach High School, and I was fresh out of college, and so I can remember the principal at Beach laughing because he had been my assistant principal when I was in school, saying, you're mighty young to be trying to do this. I think I was 21 years old at the time. Uh-huh. And so I went on to teach um, middle school, high school, did high school, summer school. I was also a teacher on special assignment for a few years at the central office level. I worked with remedial education programs specifically in the high school and decided that I wanted to try administration. Again, all those great role models. And so became an assistant principal for a couple of years at a middle school. Moved on to be a principal then of Southwest Middle School for about five years. Went to the district office. I was part of, was the executive director for school turnaround for Beach High School when we did the turnaround model at Beach and had the federal grant. And then became the principal of Johnson High School, uh, those, those, those mighty Adam smashes for seven years, and then transitioned to where you see me now, right. executive director for high schools, and I do athletics as well. So I have some educators in my family who were, one of which started as a teacher and, and is now an administrator, and he kind of talks about how they're, the, the jobs are related, but they're completely different, and obviously you went from teacher to on-site principal, on-site administrator as a principal, and now into the central office. Can you kind of compare and contrast how the different roles are? And, you know, as somebody who probably really loves the kids, how much of a transition was it to move where you're not as in close contact with, with influencing children as, as you could be as a teacher or a, or a principal? 
Well, and what I will tell you is I, I would be remiss if, if I did not share that that is the biggest transition, um, not being with the kids daily. I, I love to say the kids keep you young. You know, the kids, um, as they, they, they tagged me, my name became BBO for my initials. They said it was too much to say Mrs. Ball Oliver every day, <laughs> all day long. So they decided that my name would be BBO and it stuck. <laughs> so, um, but, but just being with them, understanding them, because they're the reason you, we do what we do. That was the biggest transition was leaving the students. I think that was the hardest part for me. Um, but it was also um, having wonderful uh, staff members as well. Um, but when you transition, you gain more, but you do lose some of that day-to-day because you are visiting various buildings, so you're not with that one set of kids all day. But then I have many more kids because I think of all the high schools as, you know, these are my kids and I got to do what I can to support the people who are directly impacting them. Um, you know, being a product of this community, that that's always in my mind that this is my community. What's that impact? What's that lasting thing? that I am leaving? Am I making it better than than when I actually came to this position? Am I doing something for the good of my community? I think that's that driving thing for me because I am a product of this community and I received so much and I want to give that back. In 32 years working in a district and then growing up as a student in the district, you've, you've seen the arc of the school system. And obviously, uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, things Things were not going very well in the district, and I know that you were kind of involved in, you mentioned the beach turnaround, you you worked in a lot of the remedial programs. How have you seen the evolution of, of the school district throughout your, throughout your career? Well, I think that, and, and this, this may be true for definitely beyond Chatham County and even the state of Georgia, um, we, we hit a point where accountability actually caused us to shift. Um, you know, and, and this is no secret, many years, for many years, you know, the principal was kind of more of an operational leader many years ago, um, but our principals now are focused on instruction and, you know, standards came into play and they've really changed what we need to focus on in terms of making sure that our students are prepared to compete on a global perspective. So I've seen the focus shift and change and, and definitely for the better. Um, and just being in Chatham County for 32 years, you know, I tease and, and I say that, you know, I've always said, oh, no, I'm never coming back to central office. I'm never leaving my babies. Um, I love I'm a school person and I love being in a school. And I can tell you that the leadership that we have now under Dr. Levette, hey, listen, I I, I was like, you know what? I'm on board um, because we're doing things that are so innovative and, and they're so impactful and meaningful for all of our kids. And, and I love the fact that, you know, under this regime, I'm challenged, think outside the box. If you think it should happen for kids, convince me and then let's make it happen because it's about our children and putting their needs first. So um, that really is kind of what directed me back to this seat because mm-hmm. I thought I would never leave my kids again. Um, but but I was attracted to, to that, that whole, it is all about the kids and it's just on a bigger scale. And, and so the support we get to really think outside the box and to do things that every day it's about, did you leave here doing something that made it better for students? 
definitely we take our staff and, and, and parents and all of the those persons into account. But our first and foremost loyalty belongs to the kids. Do we do what was right for them? And so that's that piece that attracted me back, knowing that I was working in that type of environment with that focus. I was willing to come back. Yeah, hey, I'm ready to, I can leave my kids because I get to do it for all the kids. The Difference Makers podcast is a great way to learn about Savannah and those who make the city tick. But there's a catch, of course, the two-week wait between episodes. Keep up with all that's going on in our town on a more regular basis by signing up for our free newsletters. We deliver an opinion page newsletter daily, and our news team does likewise. And for the foodies and Georgia Southern fans among the audience, weekly newsletters on those topics are available as well. Visit savannahnow.com slash newsletters now to get those newsletters delivered straight to your email inbox. Again, that's savannahnow.com slash newsletters. Giving your breadth of experience, I'm really curious to, to kind of hear your thoughts on, um, as executive director of high schools, is high schools versus middle schools. Everybody says middle schools the the hardest, uh, and then elementary schools, and just how the expectations change, how maturity of kids uh, happens, and when they get to high school. You have you end up with with kids on a, a, a broad spectrum, and how you best serve each of them uh, in their own way. How much of a challenge is that for for you as somebody who has oversight over all the high schools? And and what do you think that that we do well? And what do you think maybe we could do a little bit better in terms of of basically prepping kids for jobs, careers, college, so forth. Well, I think what we do well is that um, we we are really focused on supporting our students. We're focused on supporting our teachers and providing them with professional learning um, and continuous professional learning so that they are able to work with kids on a, a broad spectrum or, or across, you know, the differences in terms of learning. And so we work well on trying to provide them with the tools that they need, as well as trying to provide uh, innovative ways to to meet the needs of those students. So I think we do very, very a very good job of that. Um, I also think what we're starting to do better, and what will help us in 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 regards to what you're speaking of, is that. We're looking at how we front load success, those early learning centers. And really, that's been a real focus of this administration under our superintendent is what do we do to impact kids early so that when they do reach high school and and, and those difficult years, which are those preteen years in middle school, what have we done to really lay a strong foundation? Because that's where it begins. And so looking at investing our money and our time in in you know, a big part of that in those early learning centers and making sure that we're shoring up what we need to so that these kids can be successful. And I'll tell you the other thing that that we're doing really well at and that we continue to work at are the business partners in this community. Um, We have some phenomenal business partners, um, and I just think about just off the top of my head, Gulfstream and the whole SLP uh, program and how we're really working to provide students with experiences that do improve that workforce. And it didn't just include Gulfstream, but they brought a number of business partners who had a vested interest in our community to the table. 
and, and, and help to develop yeah. the way that this program will look. So I think that those are the things that we do well, but that we continue to look at how do we front load success and how do we really make sure that our kids are prepared as they transition through the various grade spans. So those are the things that we have to continue to focus on, that, that, that early learning piece and, and making sure that we understand that those preteen years are the hardest in middle school, you know, for middle school students. That's when they're going through all their changes. Um, they're trying to decide who am I going to be, what personality is going to emerge. And so making sure that we have the right fits in those buildings so that they understand how to support those kids as they transition through that. Because I was a middle school principal. I was a middle school teacher. And I will tell you, it is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> you got to love got them. Though, but it's one of the best times because it's so amazing to watch just how they decide who they're going to be. Right. They start to really develop that personality at that point. It's, it's, it's really it's a phenomenal thing to watch that transition. Yeah, that's that's been a really interesting thing to me in recent years is just because when you talk about early childhood education and, and whether it's pre-K three, pre-K four, K through three, everybody says those are the most formative years. But the problem with that is, is, is we like to measure everything, right? So if, if you're going to really focus on that, you've got to wait several, several years to see, okay, well, we, we, we know, we see the results of that. So we really like it. And it's, it's kind of amazing that it's taken so long for so many more people to embrace this model and say, if we're truly going to produce 18 year olds who are ready to either enter the workforce, go to the military, go to college and excel. It needs to start 15 years earlier. Um, are you starting to see some results from that yet? And, and is it, how hard is it to measure or do we just, we need to wait? Well, I think we are starting to actually see results. We're starting to see results each year in the various levels as as the students move up. But one thing that we do talk about and, and one thing that you'll find that our board speaks of and it's part of their accountability plan, graduation is not just a high school function. Graduation is right. a K-12 experience. And so... Uh, graduation begins before they ever enter school, actually. We're looking towards graduation. And so understanding that and embracing that, again, like you said, with those early childhood centers, we understand that if we invest here, we get a big return on investment down here. And so we're starting to see some of the benefits as our kids matriculate through the different grade levels. Hey, wow. Look at this. Look at what they're able to do. Look at how they're performing. Look at what they know. And then especially we have a very strong uh, career tech, uh, CTAE, here in terms of that whole job force, and they're always thinking outside the box. And the experiences that are in place that have come about as part of that are excellent. I mean, look at Beach High School and our whole medical program. That A lot of that work came about from, again, the superintendent and Mr. Hinchy having that lunch, but then the boots on the ground, the CTAE department, making sure that it was put together. Um, maintenance and operations, uh, Ms. Uh, Vanessa Miller-Kegler and her team coming in and saying, listen, we can convert this to a clinic. So just that whole, again, it looks a little different than when I was in school, uh, but the village is so huge. And the village is focused on every single learner that's inside the village, preparing them for how they focus, how they function when they leave the village. So I, I, I think that we do yeah. a good job and we, we're, we're seeing our return on investment. Um, and each year we see more. 
So you mentioned graduation is a K through 12 experience. And let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the class of 2020. I think that uh, of all the of all the things that coronavirus has brought us that have flustered us and maybe saddened us a little bit, one that gets overlooked beyond the school community is the class of 2020. And senior year is a, especially the back end of senior year is a, a special time for kids. It's a time to celebrate all the things that that they've accomplished, all the things they've gone through to get to where they are. They get prom, they get senior week, they get trips. Um, it really is a special time for them. And, and the coronavirus pretty much has upended that and, and forced you uh, and the school system to try to figure out a way to still celebrate those things, but to do it safely. Can you kind of walk us through your approach when when you realize, hey, schools are closed through the end of the year. What are we going to do for these kids? Um, I think that 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 was something that we we really had to think outside the box, and so um, we we started as a team to just think about what can we do for our seniors. And and while we were very focused on making sure that we were providing instruction, that uh, our virtual learning, uh, independent learning, remote learning, you know, they have so many names for it now, but 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 that that was going well, and that kids were still receiving instruction and education, the other primary focus, of course, safety is around wrapped around all of this, was that we focus on what do we do for our seniors and graduation. And so knowing that that was very critical for us and it was in our top five, top ten, um, just thinking about how we make that special and taking what may have been something that was very simple because as a high school principal, I'll tell you, when they come to pick up the cap and gown, it's usually a set time and they just kind of come out by alphabet. You give them that, uh, the items that they purchased and they move on. And so thinking about, wow, we still have a lot of caps and gowns. We didn't get to do that. So now how do we take what was something that was relatively simple and standard and make it into something special? And so that's kind of how it evolved, thinking, okay, hey, we still have to do this. So how do we take this and make it something special uh, for students? Because it's, it was just a very typical practice that we did. It was, it was nothing fanfare about it. You came out, you signed for it, you got your cap and gown, you went back to class. So it became, um, how do we now make that bigger and better? How do we, we turn that into something special? So a team of people, we, we thought about it, we talked about it, uh, we challenged our high school principals to do different things, and I have to give them um, definite credit because they started this not with this, but with giving messages to their seniors. They were all trying to do something different to keep their seniors motivated and understanding that this was probably a challenge more for them than any of their other high school students in terms of having to miss prom this final year and knowing that graduation, because at this time it wasn't a definite, but, but knowing that it was probably going to be very different. Um, so, so we started there. And then we just begin to think, what can we do differently that will follow the CDC guidelines? Uh, it became, uh, I will tell you that the superintendent was extremely involved, wanted to make sure that she was a part of that. Our communications department, our uh, Office of College and Career Readiness. But again, the, the biggest part of this was the high school principals and the work that they did with their teams, their guidance counselors, our school counselors, to really make it special. And so just, you know, it's kind of like you throw the gauntlet down, and I'll tell you something about high school people. 
they are very competitive. <laughs> and so uh, putting that challenge out there to the principals is a lot of why we saw what we saw. Because they believe in outdoing it. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the best. No, mine's going to be the best. Um, and I was a high school principal. We are competitive people in high school. And so um, doing that and just uh, having having a great a great team that we're, we're focused on, you know, all about the children. And so what can we do? And so that that's kind of how it came about. It it ended up becoming much more than what we started. Each day we thought of something different that could be added to make it even better. And so we finally had to stop thinking of ideas so that we could get it implemented. Because we always had something great we could do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been interesting to look at the front page of, of the newspaper the last couple of weeks to see the pictures of the different uh, cap and gown drive through pickup and the signs and the smiles on the kids' faces and it's been, it's quite frankly, it's been pretty inspiring for for a reader, and I can just imagine what it's meant for for you all that are so well connected, so closely connected to these kids. Well, and it, it's actually been amazing, um, you know, to hear the kids say that at first they didn't think it would be that great, and then to hear them talk about what a wonderful experience they had. Um, that's been great to see all of the social media. I mean, you know, yesterday we were, uh, as, as you know, when we'll talk more about that, recording the valedictorian and salutatorian speeches for the virtual graduations. And for communications, you know, Stacey Jennings and Kurt Hedinger to say, oh, by the way, Jenkins High School, you're, you've gotten over one point one million views on your curbside celebration on social media. Um, and and we've had um, we've talked to California, we've talked to DC. Later this month I'll be doing a podcast uh, with uh, Virginia about how we were able to do um, curbside celebration. And you you said earlier that the theme of this was to pump it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old cheerleader coach. <laughs> <laughs> Prom, senior week activities. Uh, obviously, you can't you can't hold those events. Um, how are uh, how are we celebrating those? And how are I guess how are the seniors kind of adapting to the fact that that's not going to be part of of their experience? Well, and and I'll tell you that virtual celebrations have become uh, prevalent. Um, right. They're virtual proms, right? Uh, so, so I've seen, you know, flyers and communication regarding virtual proms and things of that nature. Um, I, one thing about kids, you know, that I learned being a high school principal to me, and, and one thing I've all, always noticed is kids are resilient. Um, and so they have really done a good job. I, I won't tell you that they're not hurting. I won't tell you that there's not a sense of disappointment, but they are resilient. And to hear those valedictorian and salutatorian speeches yesterday was a testament to the re- to their resiliency as well as to those to how they understand what's going on in the world. And wow, if we were just to do a tenth of what they they charge us to do in those speeches and they charge their classmates of 2020 to do, the world would be a much better place. It's funny you think about prom and so often that I I guess more in middle school than in high school, there's a whole thing of, you know, don't dance close. You got to be distant, you know, room for mom or room for Jesus or whatever your background is, is I guess with this, you don't have to, there's none of that talk going on that there's uh, social distancing is is a little real. So, yeah, right. 
Yeah, we always had to, you know, you know, we all were those monitors at the prom, and we 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 all had those chaperones, and we still have them today. But 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 it is very different for this class, yes. We are speaking with Bernadette Paul Oliver with the Savannah Chatham County Public Schools on this episode of the Difference Makers podcast. Before we continue our discussion, let's pause and recognize the Difference Makers presenting sponsor and a real difference maker in our community, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. The team at CETA is pushing to make Savannah a great place to work and live. CETA is committed to creating, growing, and attracting jobs and investment in the Savannah region. Whether a business looking to relocate to the Savannah area or an existing business ready to grow and expand, CETA is the centrifuge of a repeller, making the connections, helping propel the business to success. Learn more about the Savannah Economic Development Authority and what they do in the Savannah community by visiting CETA.org. Now, back to this conversation with Bernadette Ball. Virtual graduations. I know they, they start May the 13th. They go through the 15th. Uh, you mentioned you recorded the speeches. Can you kind of walk us through what parents and, and graduates can expect when they when they log on to, to watch their graduation? Well, uh, when they when they log on, uh, graduations, uh, we, we, we combined some of the like, I'll, I'll say the more traditional with the more with, with the more uh, modern or outside the box. Um, so that's how we kind of came up with the virtual. And when they log on, it'll be different in the sense that the superintendent will open graduations. Typically, uh, graduations, of course, are conducted strictly by school personnel. Um, the majority of it, of course, students. And the board and the district uh, office personnel, we are there to uh, pay homage, to pay testament, to honor our graduates, and, and definitely to celebrate them. But these will be different in that the ceremony will begin uh, virtual. Of course, everything is live stream, as you said. But the superintendent will open with a welcome and a message, followed by the board member for that area. Um, Typically, you would not see that at our commencement exercises. Uh, the superintendent does not bring words at commencement. Uh, the board uh, member does not speak. Um, but you're going to see something different. Um, and we felt like it was important for the class of 2020 to know that everyone embraces you in your community, your board member, your superintendent. You, of course, will hear from the principal. And then the principal will actually go through uh, the standard protocol in terms of presenting our graduate are our candidates for graduation. And then we will have the student's picture on screen if pictures were available, and there will be someone to call their name, and, and we'll recognize if they're the valedictorian, honor grad, all of their accomplishments. And, and at that point, uh, the principal will still, again, provide a message and, of course, graduate the students. We want every last one of them to be tuned in during their time and other times, support your, you know, support the city um, through watching the virtual graduations. And then we will, the closing piece will be words from the board president, Dr. Buck. Um, that's not a normal part of the celebration, but Dr. Buck uh, recognizes, of course, we all do that this is very different and it's important to him to give those final words as well. And so he will be closing out the ceremonies. So I think that that's what you will see that's different. Um, you saw our board members at our curbside celebrations. One one thing I can say is that, you know, everyone from superintendent, board members, uh, principals, teachers, guidance counselors, uh, maintenance and operations, uh, our our school nutrition, everyone has, has 
been a part of embracing this. Our school nutrition workers, our custodial workers, hey, they were out there cheering at curbside celebrations, practicing social distancing, like everyone else for these kids. So I think as a district and as a community, um, we've all embraced it. And, and, and I just want us to continue that for our virtual celebrations, which I'm sure we will. I'm curious, you, you taped all these speeches, so you've, you've heard them. And through your career, you've probably heard hundreds. Does this one, uh, you know, for the most part, a lot of these speeches kind of hit on the same trends year to year. I mean, it's, you know, let's celebrate ourselves. Let's, the future is bright. Let's strive for the future. Is it, was the tone this year a little bit different? How much do you think that the, the experience of going through this pandemic changed those or did it not or did it not? Oh, it did. Um, I've heard a lot of speeches over the years. My first time at this rodeo, meaning central office, I also did graduation then, too. That was many years ago. Um, did it for six years and then now have returned um, and then as a high school principal and attending a number of graduations. And you're, you are going to hear in, in many of our speeches, if not most of them, um, you're going to hear the tone shift and, and you're going to hear our kids. I don't want to give it all away, but these kids have some phenomenal messages, not to just their class of 2020, but I challenge everyone in the city, this community and beyond the state of Georgia to really listen to what these kids have to say. Um, their messages are, are amazing. And, um, it's going to be special. It's going to be special. And you can tell that they have takeaways from this experience. But their takeaways, when you listen to their speeches, are about how do we avoid this? How do we make it better? How do we become stronger so that this is not what we have to endure? It's, it's really, I was so impressed with these young people. And we can learn a lot from them. Yeah, absolutely. Will these these speeches and these ceremonies, will they be archived on the site where people can can access them and, and look back and, and go over those? Yes, they will. And of course, we have YouTube out there and we have our, our channel and then, of course, the live streaming and we will have them where you can go back and you can watch them all at your leisure. Last thing about the class of 2020, I know that there's there's been some some scuttlebutt for several weeks now of, OK, well, we can't do anything really in person other than the curbside pickup. Is there a chance to do something down the road, whether it's in the fall or in the winter, by which time, uh, hopefully, we won't be as, as uh, social distancing won't be as, as, big a, as big a demand as it is now? Are there plans for things in the future, or is that a work in progress? Um, it's a work in progress. Uh, we don't eliminate any options from the table. We, we believe in thinking outside the box. We believe in exploring all options. So we are examining all options. Again, you know, things change daily. And one thing we have learned through this, we, we already, you know, educators always had to be flexible. Um, that, that was one of the criteria for going into this business um, and making this your career. But we definitely have learned uh, more about flexibility and more about creativity and uh, initiative and thinking outside the box. Um, but also, and how do you make that work within the parameters that you're given? So definitely we have not eliminated anything from our table. I say most most uh, classes wait 10, 15, 20 years to have reunions. This class may have a reunion in, in a matter of months just because they haven't had a, a proper, I shouldn't say proper, they haven't had an in-person um, celebration to, to really 
celebrate what they accomplished. That's a great way to look finish at it. Up, to, to finish up this conversation in terms of, of schools is, well, as I said, when this airs, school will be done. Uh, uh, the focus turns to to August in the future. And I'm just curious as to this point, and, and being in the thick of it, I'm sure you maybe not have had the chance to sit back and reflect and, and do a, a post-mortem or an after action on the distance learning part of it. But what do you think you have learned from the distance learning? What do you think uh, might be incorporated differently going forward? How is this whole experience going to change education going forward? Um, and again, you know, everything is still fluid, but, but we've, we, we do have lessons learned. Um, we, we had a task force, of course, and our superintendent is actually putting together a task force to uh, examine all of these pieces and, and how we move forward. So, so that's a work in progress. Um, but I think we've learned uh, lessons around just the virtual learning piece and the support that we have to give students, as well as teachers, as well as families, and making sure that we shore up any areas there that we need to, and I'm sure that will be part of our plan. Um, again, we want to make sure that everyone um, it has a level of comfort with what the expectations are, whatever those might be. Um, we don't know uh, when we will return to school. Um, you know, we don't determine that. Of course, um, but again, we know that school may look very differently moving forward. As educators, um, I know in my lifetime, I never thought that I would see this. Um, I'm sure most of us did not. And so we know that we have got to make sure that we have plans to address all needs and, and contingency plans for the plans. So I think we know that school will look different. Um, some lessons learned, definitely the virtual support um, and, and how we support teachers and students through this process. So I think those are some things that we have takeaways. Um, definitely how school operates, uh, that's a takeaway as well. Um, you know, we, we are so used to bricks and mortar right. um, for, for the most part. And so, you know, it's time for us to think that maybe, you know, hey, that, that may not be uh, the norm. Uh, so, so how do we address that and we make sure that we're prepared for that? Um, so those are some of our takeaways, continuing to plan on how we do that. And so when you, when you talk about planning on how you do that, you have to explore so many different parameters because there are a lot of moving pieces to a school and, and, and to operating school. And so you have to think about how does that look if you cannot be in that bricks and mortar building. And so each day, you know, we run into things that were so easily handled, of course, when we were in the building and coming up with those processes uh, to how do we handle them when we're not in the building. Um, you know, the way that we interview uh, to hire staff, the way that we register our students, the way that we make sure that students have report cards and grades and that teachers get professional learning. So, and that even our, our, our classified staff, how do we provide them continuously, you know, with continuous professional learning? So, I think we have walked away knowing that while we were uh, doing a good job in the face of change of this nature, we just have to make sure we have some really firm plans in place to address all those, those nuances now that were so easily handled in a building, and now That's we right. have to think about doing it outside of a building. Yeah, I found it very fascinating that with having a high schooler in the house and and watching, you know, that she can do her work, her schoolwork usually in in 
she goes to school for six, six and a half hours a day. She can, she can do her work distance learning and in about half that time. But at the same time, she's doing these, these virtual video conference classes and, and getting the lecturing and being expected to, to, to have individual accountability in terms of, of how she gets her work done. And uh, I think it's, it's on the surface, probably pretty good for her and probably pretty good for a lot of these high school students. It teaches them something that, this is how they're going to have to operate when they go away to college. Um, but, the, but the curious thing is, okay, well, so what are they, what are they missing out on? What are they, what are they not getting by not being in a brick and mortar in school? And obviously our schools are set up where we have dual enrollment. We have work study programs. Not every kid is in school. Not every high school kid is in school a full day. They're, they're, there's different opportunities and options for them and how that all blends together going forward. I think it's going to be really interesting in terms of, of, of how you, how the district goes about it and then how the, the kids, the parents embrace it. Exactly. And I think, you know, and then something to add to that mix, too, would be our athletics. You know, at high school, we do we, we have competitive sports. And so looking at that, you know, we've been exploring an athletics esports. So maybe a much larger exploration now. I'm sure, you know, I know we will. And so so a lot of things will look different. But the one thing that that we are committed to is and, and of course, I know most, you know, all districts are is to having a plan and to being prepared for that. But you're right. And then. You know, our kids sometimes adjust fairly quickly, but making sure that we have a plan to assist our adults in adjusting. Because, you know, the technology that we're using for most of, for the vast majority of our kids, it's a way of life. For some of our adults, that may not necessarily be the case, but they've embraced it and they're starting to make it a way of life. So making sure that we we work to continue to assist them in that area so that they reach that level of comfort they need as well. Right. And having them underfoot 24 hours a day is quite an adjustment for the parents as well. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> Again, you are listening to a discussion with Bernadette Ball Oliver of Savannah Chatham Public Schools. We interrupt this interview to invite you to check out our latest digital initiative, Savannah's Town Square on Facebook. Obviously, you enjoy this podcast, and many of you subscribe to our morning newsletter and watch or attend our monthly Brews and Views public forums. Savannah's Town Square is your chance to sound off. Every weekday, I post a talking point on Savannah's Town Square, a Facebook group page. Those who join the group are then free to engage with me and other members and discuss the topic. And unlike in comments sections and social media channels, we don't allow trolls and other mean-spirited posters to ruin what is meant to be a place for earnest, civil, and insightful dialogue. Go to Facebook today, search for Savannah's Town Square, and click the Join button. We'll get you in on the conversation. Now, here's the rest of the Difference Makers interview with Bernadette Paula Oliver. mentioned athletics and, and that's another piece we talked a lot about the class of 2020 and missing out on the end of, of their senior year all the spring sports athletes their seasons were cut very very short how has and there's no way around that quite frankly that was that had to happen uh, how hard has that been at the district office to to deal with that and you know I, obviously at the college level there's talk of giving kids extra years of eligibility you can't have a senior come back to to go to another year of, of high school in order to play sports. But she kind of talk about what the athletic conversations have been like and just how I, I'm sure frustrating it is to know that there's not a whole lot you can do to, to, to solve that situation for your senior athletes. And I think um, our, our athletics team has, 
you know, of course, you know, developed schedules, made plans um, based on how we might make some adjustments. Uh, but that, of course, is driven by Georgia High School and and what they provide us guidance. Uh, the guidance they do provide us. So with athletics, we wait on our guidance for them. But in the meantime, we are looking at schedules and developing different um, uh, alternatives so that because we, of course, you know, uh, John Sanders is our director for athletics, and so he continues to communicate with them so that in the event that we are, you know, okay, you're given the green light, and we don't know what the green light will look like. It might have a little yellow in it, and yeah. so or it, it might be very yellow. And so they continue to develop schedules and, and to do that work around what's our contingency plan if we can play and we can play with, um, you know, like some of the um, – Professional sports are coming back. Hey, we're going to play, but it may not be anybody in the arena. It may not be anybody in the stadium. Sure, so sure. what will things look like for us? So they continue to work on those schedules and those plans, but also thinking about how do we explore uh, competitive sports now. And I referenced that earlier, that eSports, and really start to, we were already looking at, actually this spring, before all of this, we were looking at some schools that wanted to pilot and begin to try this, this eSports because it, it has become prevalent across the country and, it, and it's gaining momentum. And so looking at how we incorporate that now more into our, our athletic offering. So we, we've been exploring all of those options, but again, we continue to wait on guidance from our Georgia High School Athletic Association because that drives how it will look for us. Yeah, I think it really... It hit home with me last week because I think I saw a story in the in the newspaper talking about the Savannah Arts Academy tennis team, and just you know that they're yeah. they're one of the best, and the whole idea that that they're probably not going to be able to compete for a state championship is is unfortunate. And we we and that that has been unfortunate for 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 a lot of our students because we have some really phenomenal athletes in this district, and um, they missed out on their spring season. And so, um, you know, and as seniors, like you said, you know, our juniors, hopefully, as, as things change, they, they will still have that, that ability to compete next year for, you know, our, our underclassmen. But uh, this senior class, you're right, we're not like college and can do another year of eligibility. It ends here. And so that has been unfortunate for them. Well, thank you for your time today. And uh, thanks for all you're doing. And enjoy the next couple of weeks, because I know it's been... It's been a hectic. It's been a hectic couple of months, and and you all deserve a chance to to celebrate as well. So thank you again. Well, we're going to celebrate our kids, and um, we got to get through virtuals next week, and then I might say I can breathe for five minutes now before the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can breathe for about the, about six weeks before you got to really dig in for twenty twenty one. So uh, the you. preparation begins the day after graduation. Correct. <laughs> right. All right. Good luck, That's a wrap on the May 15th episode of Difference Makers. Thanks to our guest, Bernadette Ball Oliver, and to our presenting sponsor, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. Tap into the Difference Makers archives anytime on your favorite podcast app to hear interviews with more of Savannah's community leaders, such as America's Second Harvest Mary Jane Crouch, Savannah film and ice cream icon Stratton Leopold, and Savannah Mayor Van Johnson. Difference Makers is a production of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Our next episode will post May the 29th. On behalf of myself and producer Zach Dennis, thank you for listening.